Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Hello and welcome to uh, St. Joseph Radio Presents. Uh, I'm your host this week, Ray Gerard. With me in studio, we have a very illustrious guest. You're an illustrious kind of guy, aren't I you? I mean, I don't see why not. Okay. Sure. Well, not, like, that might be a little generous. But. Well, that's okay. We like being generous. Anyways, uh, speaking uh, on the other end, uh, on the other microphone that you've uh, already heard, his name is uh, Brian Miller. He is the Director of Evangelization and Discipleship. That's a big job for the Archdiocese of St. Louis. Well, hey, it's an important job. It's right? an important job, so I need lots of prayers for it is what, is what we need from you all. Since you brought up the subject of prayer, we're going to ask, we always ask the guest if he's willing to start us uh, on the program with a prayer. So if you'd be so kind. Absolutely, more than willing. In the name of the Father, uh, the Son, the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we just invite your presence into this place with us here. We ask that you would just open our minds, open our hearts, just to hear your voice to speak your words, Lord, and just continue to help us to be open, to be molded and formed into the people that you're calling us to be, Lord. Help us to be your witnesses throughout the earth, throughout the world. We might make your name known, that everyone we come in contact with might see the joy that we radiate that comes from knowing you. And you would just send forth your spirit, renew the face of the earth. Amen. Amen. And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for Amen. the prayer. Sure. All right, so, Brian, we've got a few things happening in the Archdiocese. We do. Um, there's this little program, I think they call it All Things New. I think I've heard something about that. All Things New, yeah, it's kind of making the rounds. Uh, it's, it's definitely all the buzz. Uh, pretty much everywhere I go, I think I, I walked into my family Easter party, and they said, what do you know about this parish and that parish? And I said, I don't know anything, I promise. So, But uh, it's definitely a, a, a talk topic at a lot of different places. It's on a lot of people's hearts and minds. There's a lot of excitement. A lot of hope and a lot of worry for folks, too, as far as what's sure. going to happen to the church that they know and love and, and how they experience that church on a day-to-day -day basis. But I'm really excited about it. I think it's an important thing. Um, obviously, it takes a lot of courage for Archbishop Rosansky to come in and, and to want to do this kind of major planning right off the bat. Um, but really, the hope is to renew the church and to strengthen the church and to help us minister uh, in the next century and for the next 7,500 years in a way that's going to reach the world. You know, I think a lot about... Um, St. John the 23rd, when he opened Vatican II, he, talks, he said that you know, the transmission of doctrine is one thing, or the doctrine itself is one thing, but the way we express it is another. And really, in a lot of ways, that's the root of what we're trying to do, is just trying to figure out, okay, we have this phenomenal truth here in the Church. How can we organize ourselves to better, better have better planning, uh, better training, better everything, so we can take this beautiful gift that we all have, this gift of faith, the gift of truth, and make sure that everyone we meet is disposed well to receive it, because we've presented it in a way that understands modern man, that reaches modern man, that really opens hearts. So I think it's a tremendous opportunity, but I understand the, the trepidation for folks a little bit, too. 
Sure. Anytime you're dealing with change, people always get fearful of it. But uh, change can be good. Change can, you know. Uh, well, we like it when other people change, but we don't want <laughs> to have to change ourselves very much, you know. But the church has to, right? The church has to adapt. The church has to change if it's going to serve properly, does it not? Yeah, unchanging truths in an ever-changing world. So just making sure we understand the world to whom we're sent. And the more we understand modern man and modern culture, we can speak into it. And I think really, as you look at the history of the church, that's what all the great saints throughout the generations have done. They understood the people to whom they were bringing the gospel. And they understood what a radical witness was needed in that time. So what we're trying to do through All Things New is really just rise up the next generation of saints who are going to understand and love our culture and be willing to lay down their lives for the world to know Jesus Christ. I mean, I think of St. Maximilian Kolbe, who understood that the technology of his age uh, in the 1930s was radio, mm-hmm. and he proceeded to make great use of that, understood the importance of evangelization, established a base in Nagasaki, Japan, of mm-hmm. all things, and a eh, particular location that was shielded from the nuclear blast. I don't know if God's hand maybe had something to do with that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, understood the importance of evangelization and understood the importance of the mean, the medium that was used to evangelize. And we're all called to do that, right? We're all called to evangelize. Absolutely. And, and we all have more access to more people than we've ever had. And you kind of saw that starting with radio and moving to television and the internet now. Uh, we live in such a connected world that at the same time is incredibly disconnected from each other. So while we have all these digital connections, we lack actual human connections. And I think that as we as we talk about evangelization and trying to be successful at all things new, and it's really, but anyway, we evangelize. Uh, it's it's really about facilitating encounters, and it's an encounter with the Lord, but that happens through a human encounter with a person uh, who can give that witness of what the Lord has done in their own life, and just the grace that He's spoken into it, and the healing and the conversion that they've had. And when you see that lived, and when it's a real relationship, it's not a, a message board or an argument form or whatever it is online. I mean, people are nasty online. It's much harder to be that mean to someone in real life. In some, pe- some people are still really good at it. But in person, you know, it's, there's just a real humanity here, and that's the beauty of the incarnation. And when we live that incarnational faith, when we try to evangelize, I think it just takes on a whole new dimension. So I think that's one of the tasks, too, is that in an increasingly digital world, we have to continue to find ways to draw people together into real human community. So is the church uh, uh, engaging in this, this program with any ideas, uh, any, you know, preset ideas of, of what, uh, what this is going to look like? Or, or you know, they've had this, they put the survey out. Yeah. So is the church uh, basically going to, you know, t- carefully take to heart what they find from the survey? How would you describe yeah, this so the, process? Yeah, so the survey is definitely going to inform the approach. So we know... We don't. Um, we know we're going to have to close some parishes here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. It's a. It's just a harsh reality of where we are. Uh, we hit, we have some great underlying statistics around vocations in St. Louis. Out of the 65 largest dioceses in the country, we have the best priest to Catholic ratio. Really, we have a, a lot of priests. We don't necessarily have a vocation shortage. We we might have a parish surplus though, and just the reality of. The immigrant church, and the way that when people came into St. Louis, they settled into these ethnic neighborhoods and ethnic groups, and a German parish was built two blocks away from the Italian parish, which was three blocks away from the Irish parish. So what you end up with is you've got, within a two-mile radius, sometimes in the city of St. Louis, you have four or five or six parishes that you can get to within a three-, four-minute drive. So we have to be a little more strategic in how we use our resources and space. So every every time we're paying to keep the lights on somewhere, 
Uh, we're also not putting that money in towards proclaiming the gospel and evangelization. So we just want to make sure we're really being good stewards of all the wonderful gifts God has given us, and really of the generosity of the people of the Archdiocese of St. Louis throughout generations, so that it's really honoring the gifts that they've given to make sure that it's continuing to proclaim the faith in the world today. So we know that's going to be a part of it. Um, it's not our, our favorite part, but but I'm also excited about the idea that our parishes can all be operating from a position of strength, you know, instead of maybe um, you know, being together to work really hard just to keep it going for one more year or whatever it might be, but but to have stronger, healthier parishes um, and, and the resources needed to do the work and to do the support the mission, I think is a really exciting prospect. And really, I think a big part of this too is, um, is really just equipping people for the mission of evangelization. And that's what a lot of my work within All Things New is, um, is geared towards. You know, there's other folks in the diocese who are doing more of the data analysis and, and some of those sorts of things. But what I'm working on is how do we help rebuild uh, whatever reality we end up in? So we know there's going to be uh, some changes. So when we have new parishes, what does an ideal parish look like? What are the programs you need to have? What are the what do the lay leaders need to be trained and what do they need to know in order to, f- to help everyone live that evangelizing mission? So, you know, you've probably heard the dynamic Catholic study from Matthew Kelly's group that talked about roughly 7% of Catholics self-identify as, quote, dynamic Catholics. So they self-identify that they're strong in four pillars. They're strong in prayer, study, generosity, and evangelization. So roughly 7% of Catholics, right? So we know that mass attendance has hovered pre-COVID, uh, in the Archdiocese, somewhere around 27% is what it was at before before COVID came. So we know that about a fourth of the people that show up to Mass would say that they're strong in those four pillars. So if you get about 28% of people at Mass, one-fourth of them would be 7%. Those are the people who are you know, putting in probably the most hours at the parish. They're doing most of the giving uh, of time, talent, and treasure, uh, and they're the most actively engaged. But what that study also found is that even though roughly 7% of Catholics desired to evangelize, that kind of fourth point of the survey, only 0.6% of Catholics felt equipped to evangelize. And even those 0.6%, what they often did when they sought to evangelize was they handed someone a book or uh, gave them a CD, I think is when the study was done, so it tells you it's, it's not exactly... The newest study, but technology changes pretty quick. So now it would be, I send them a link, or I send them to St. Joseph's Radio, or I send them a, a podcast, or whatever it might be, to help share the faith. And they weren't actually even very comfortable sharing the faith in a personal way or answering those questions. So really, one of our big objectives, one of the things we want to do, is to just, let's double that number. So if we can get from 0.6%, if we can get up to 1.2% in the next year, uh, of Catholics who have been through some sort of training where they feel comfortable witnessing their faith. And if we can just continue to keep adding to that so the people, even the people who want to evangelize, feel like they know what they're doing and they have some level of training in it. And then, of course, we also want to take that 7% number and double that too. We want people to know it's their right and duty as Catholics to evangelize, that they have this beautiful opportunity and call from the Lord to proclaim his good news. So it's really a lot about education, but it's not just informing them, it's, it's forming them into the people that God is calling them to be. So it's not just head knowledge, but it's also how do I live it on a day-to-day basis? I mean, that is a, a, an exciting uh, new venture. I mean, I think, I think a lot of Catholics would appreciate, you know, opportunities to be more equipped. Yeah, absolutely. Again, it's like, you know, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit here. And um, most people we find when we talk to them doing different trainings and doing different surveys we've done, most people feel like they don't know enough or they're not holy enough. So that if they evangelize, they would be hypocrites. 
Well, the good news is we all are hypocrites <laughs> in one way or another because we all need grace, you know. And and sometimes when I think about um, all the the hard parts of being in the church, and we sometimes we see the face of sin in the church, and people want to say, "See, the church isn't even what it says it means to be." But I think actually, in some ways, it's the opposite, and that it proves that we are all broken people, and we all need grace, we all need redemption. That no one is exempt from that call, and no one is exempt. Uh, from from what God is doing in their life, so it actually proves the point of grace even more and our need for that. So, I think that uh, there's there's just a tremendous opportunity in our parishes, and I think that as I go around talking to different pastors and lay leaders and parishes, and just even met a woman at Schnucks yesterday who I got in a long conversation in the checkout line. Did you? Uh, yeah, and uh, she's like, well, "What do you do for a living?" I don't I don't know why she ended up asking me that, but I'm I'm a kind of outgoing, friendly guy, so we got into a great conversation and. So I work at the Archdiocese. She says, oh, what do you know about that all things new? I said, well, <laughs> a fair amount, actually. And, um, but, you know, she was it just, just... so happens. Yeah, right, exactly. Wow, you don't even know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, she just expressed her hopes and desires to see the church grow, you know, and that's really what it is. So they want to see the pews full again. They want to see their kids and grandkids coming back to the faith, and they want to they see people just giving their lives to the Lord. And I, and I think that's really a beautiful desire. And people are willing to um, take that leap of faith to be a little awkward, um, to be a little uncomfortable in their evangelizing efforts. I, um, I was a focus missionary for four years after college. And uh, a good friend of mine, who was a year behind me, joined Focus as well, and she had this great uh, catchphrase she coined for evangelization. She said, eternity is worth the awkwardness. <laughs> there's there's going to be some moments you're going to swing and miss sometimes. Uh, uh, my, that, that intro into talking about the Lord might be a little odd, um, but it's, it's worth it to take that the risk to be a little bit awkward or a little bit uncomfortable because what we're offering people is eternal life. And that's it's, what the Lord offers each of us. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> what's, what's more important? You know, what, what isn't worth a little effort if it's not that? Right. Um, you know, you mentioned, uh, yeah, we're going to have to do a little pain, close a few churches. I know the parish I belong to, Assumption Out in O'Fallon, a uh, big community, mm-hmm. a big congregation in our in our parish, and there's something that is really rewarding about going into a church where there's a lot of people, mm-hmm. or that the church is full. And of course, you know, COVID's you know done the, had an effect on us as well, but it's just being around other people. So if you have to consolidate a few churches, but you know the church the churches that are 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 there. Ones where it's where it's fuller, it's just got to be a better experience, I would imagine. Well, and I, I'm in a smaller parish. Uh, I'm in St. Justin Martyr in Crestwood, Sunset Hills, so 850, 900 families, maybe something like that. So it's a little bit different than that, even. And I think as I talk to people in my parish, and again, getting around the diocese and talking to folks, I think what people are afraid of is that they just love their community. They just love the people that they share life with, that they walk side by side with, that they go through the highs and lows their kids are raised with, and they're seeing the birth of new kids and all these things. And they're a little bit afraid that whatever the new reality is, it's going to be different. So let me just uh, uh, break in there for just sure. a second and, and just hold you up for a second. We continue this in a moment. But I just wanted to tell everybody that this is St. Joseph Radio Presents. We're coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the what we probably refer to as the Rome of the West. And uh, one thing I did want to also let everybody know about is that St. Joseph Radio is having its annual Catholic Man of the Year dinner. And this year it's going to be on Sunday, June 26th. It's going to be at the Hilton St. Louis Frontenac on Lindbergh Boulevard. And uh, you know, each year um, we give an award to uh, 
who, the person we refer to as the Catholic Man of the Year. But the really rewarding thing about this dinner is you hear about what is done by so many people. You hear about all of the candidates, a little bit about what all of the candidates do. And it is so different from anything else you've ever experienced because these people fly under the radar and you never hear about what they do. So it's, it's truly a great event. Um, and if you would like to nominate somebody, and obviously, uh, you know, we'd like to have every, every parish nominate somebody if possible. But anyways, uh, we are looking for nominations to be in by May 21st. You can call for information. You can call 636-447-6000. Again, 636-447-6000 uh, and get uh, any help that you may need. Uh, you can submit the form to Man of Year STL at St. Joseph Radio.net, Man of Year STL, St. Joseph Radio, or mail your form here to the, uh, to the radio stu studios at uh, 1985 Bluestone Drive, Suite 101 in St. Charles. You can also, to get an application form, just go to uh, St. Joseph Radio.net. The Catholic Man of the Award Dinner, uh, please uh, nominate somebody. Uh, many people know of uh, many worthy people for that. So uh, that's, uh, that's a little announcement for today. But uh, getting back to, to what we were saying, you were talking about, you know, people have um, this fear, the, Brian, that, that things are, are going to change. Uh, but, of course, one thing that never changes, a lot of times people fear more than they really need to fear. The change won't be as bad as, I mean, you can always imagine things to be a lot worse than they're actually going to be. Absolutely. And, you know, I just think of, you know, the book of Job, you know, the, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And uh, he's, he's our constant. He's our rock. And uh, if, if we just continue to trust in him, we just have to trust that he has a plan for us, for our communities, and, and for the people that we love, and that he's going to continue to offer us great community. And, and it's going to take us to, to invest in it and to build in it and to, to make sure it's great. Um, so we have to be invested in that process, too. We can't just sit back and, and wait for everyone else to do the hard work of building that community. So it's really why, you know, what you just talked about with the, the Man of the Year Award, you know, it's, it, we need the lay leaders of the church to step up and really take a lot of ownership in terms of helping to grow the church and to, to invest in the lives. You know, again, I'll talk about it again here, but as a focused missionary, I went on a college campus to lead Bible studies and do evangelization work. And what we did was we invested in the lives of the college students and then trained them to be missionaries too, even on campus while they were still students. And that worked really well because I could go on campus and I could go into the student union or go into some spaces that I was allowed to be on as a campus minister, as a missionary. Uh, but the students were living every part of life together, every single part of life. So they were in the dorms together, they're in classes together, they're playing sports and intramurals and doing all the things that I wouldn't even have access to as a staff member. And those folks... Um, had just a greater access. And that's really what it is with us as the lay people in the church. We have our, our clergy who do a, an amazing job, and they have certain roles that they fulfill very well, but the laity are the salt and light in the, in the lives of the everyday world. We're the leaven in the world. So we need uh, lay people to step up to, be, to proclaim the gospel, to model the gospel, to preach the gospel in words and deeds. And uh, the more we can have people who are comfortable doing that, the more we're going to be building that community intentionally. And it is really important for evangelization to be done by people that are, are known, people that have a certain closeness to the people that they're, they're talking with. I know, for example, in the Christ Renews His Parish program, you try to invite people you know, to, the, to the weekend event, and you can invite people that 
so many times. You can try to do it in so many different ways. But when it comes from a neighbor or a friend and they say, hey, I've done this and it's really good, that works like so much better. And I would imagine the same thing is true for evangelization. If, you know, there's somebody that, that you know that is approaching you and just saying, you know, uh, another way you, know, you want to communicate it, that, hey, you know, this is, this is really good for me. Uh, yeah, I was just talking with, um, with someone recently. They were telling me about their Acts experience, and same thing with Chirp, right? And he said, you know, when I saw that guy at the parish giving a witness and a testimony and talking about what the Lord had done in his life, I, I thought, oh, this has to be the Holy Spirit. That guy's a jerk, you know, <laughs> or, no, or whatever it might be. But, but it was real because he knew him, and, and it was someone he had experienced and, and walked with in life and coaching sports and all these other things, and he saw that that, that guy was open to change, and if that guy was open to change, it, was, it really was the movement of the Holy Spirit and the Lord, the Lord doing the work. So I think there is a really powerful aspect to kind of that incarnational evangelization, that reality. So when we talk about that... Um, my favorite scripture verse on that, kind of the paradigm we like to talk about, is 1 Thessalonians 2.8. And it's, it's, talk, it's St. Paul, and it says, Being so affectionately desirous of you, we are ready to share not only the gospel of God, but also our very selves. So beloved had you become to us. So basically saying, you know, we shared life, and that's what St. Paul did. He didn't just pop up to a community, preach the gospel, and move on. It's kind of how we think of him sometimes, traveling all around the Mediterranean. But he'd go to a community, he would set up shop, he would get a job as a tent maker so he wouldn't be a burden on the community. He would live there for a year or two, and he'd be doing some ministry work and proclaiming the gospel then, but really he'd get to know the people and he shared life. And I think all too often in life, we really want to do either one or the other, but not both at the same time. So we might be comfortable doing, we might be comfortable doing street evangelization. Not, a lot of people aren't comfortable with that either. We might be comfortable talking about the truths of the faith or doing apologetics or doing a presentation on the gospel or whatever it might be, this kind of intellectual side of it. We might be really comfortable in that. Or we might be really comfortable just living side by side with people and saying, oh, they're just going to see my lived witness and my lived experience of the faith, and that's going to inspire people. And while both of those can have powerful impacts on people, I think they're really most powerful when they're married together. And it's really what the church asks us to do, you know. Uh, I always I always rail against uh, the the fake St. Francis of Assisi quote, uh, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. It's a fake quote. It's a fake quote. It's, he never actually said it. It's not found in his writings anywhere. It's attributed to him for the first time probably three or 400 years after he dies. I love the sentiment, um, you know, and there are other quotes we could use to capture a similar sentiment. Um, something St. Francis did say is, is, it's no use walking anywhere preaching unless your walking is also preaching. So that, that maybe is even well, a little go. bit there of a different way go. to say it. There you go. But even if even if St. Francis had said that, even if he said preach the gospel always and if necessary use words, he was an itinerant preacher. <laughs> so he obviously thought words were pretty darn important. He literally traveled the countryside preaching to anyone who would listen. And and one of the reasons he's a patron saint for the earth and creation is he wrote some beautiful things about care for creation, of course. But he also is a patron saint of animals because he preached to animals. So he thought words were so important that he thought the rabbits and the snakes and the birds and whatever it might be, he thought they needed to hear the words of the gospel too. So you're going to train people. But the animals actually listened to him. They, so. they sat very attentive. Yeah, exactly. So is there any training the archdiocese is going to put out that's going to help us do that? Yeah, so we have a few, <laughs> we have a few different things we're working on for that. So the, the first thing we developed is um, is a little evangelization guidebook, is what we're calling it. It's called Preparing for Mission, and it's linked on the All Things New site on the Unifying Vision page. 
And as we were preparing uh, with this theme and really praying with the theme, All Things New, which I love the theme. I think it's it's really, uh, I think it's anointed in a lot of ways, and it's the Lord really speaking into to where we're at as a church and what his hopes are for us. And I, as I've been talking to people and praying with people too, I think so I think that's good. But we've been we've been wrestling with that for a little while, and and we thought, okay, well, if we're gonna make all things new, what 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 do I need to do? You know, so first of all, the first thing that needs needs to be made new is me. So as we go out to evangelize, the first thing always is the Lord wants to renew my heart. And if He's not doing that, then just shut the whole thing down. I'm not gonna be a good evangelist. It's not gonna work. Uh, but really, we thought, okay, we need new hearts, new minds, and new methods. So if we're going to evangelize well, we need new hearts, new minds, and new methods. How do you do that? Well, a few different ways. One, uh, one of the things we talk about in evangelization, kind of a, a paradigm we use here in St. Louis and some other folks around the country use as well, is the idea that defining the evangelization process is to encounter Christ, to grow in your relationship with him, and to witness him to others constantly. So just a kind of a simple encounter, grow, witness. And then before that, we can talk about the idea of pre-evangelization, so a lot of, that's a lot of the shared life we talk about, where we're earning trust with people. So Sherry Waddell uh, has a book called Forming Intentional Disciples. It's a big hit. Um, and in there, she highlights kind of the phases people go tend to go through prior to a conversion. And it says you have to first earn trust, and then people move into a phase of curiosity, openness, and then to a more active phase of intentional seeking, which leads them to a decision point. You know, is this true? Or is it not? When you get to that seeking phase, it's, it's you know, it's the idea that there are answers out there, and I actually can't sleep until I know them. I can't rest until I know them. And when you make that decision to follow Jesus, you drop your nets and follow Him, and then you're kind of in that encounter, grow, witness paradigm. Um, so we have to think about the way we use those social events and the human parts of our parishes and, and our diocese to lead towards an encounter to help ask those questions. So we, we you know, we have parish picnics and fish fries, so people have trust, they're willing to step on our campus and, and be a, part, a little bit of a part of what we offer, but we don't, we don't often use those things to help facilitate an encounter, to really engage people in, to help lead them to that. So we got to work a little bit on that. Um, and then another a big important thing we have to think about is as we grow in our faith, we do a lot of faith formation for me, right, to get holier and to get myself to heaven. And that's good, and we should do that. It's actually really important. But we also need to understand that to receive the gift is to have, you have to give it. You can't receive it and not give it. Pope Paul VI talks about, in Evangelii Nuntiandi, he talks about um, just this idea that if you've been, the one who's been evangelized goes on to evangelize others. So uh, it's unthinkable that you wouldn't do that. So we'll, we'll keep talking about that as we, uh, as we keep going here. Um, and that is true. We're going to be taking a, a short break for a couple of minutes. Uh, this is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. We're here with uh, Brian Miller. He's our guest today. He's the Director of Evangelization and Discipleship for the Archdiocese of St. Louis. He's telling us about all things new. He's got, obviously, more to say, more to um, explain to us. And so we hope that you uh, stick with us and uh, come back. Just listen to a few messages, and, and we'll, be, uh, we'll be here. Uh, explaining all about how we can become better evangelists ourselves. Our Catholic faith, Colby Academy has the solution, offering a curriculum that is loyal to the magisterium, classical, Ignatian, flexible and affordable. Colby can help with all your homeschooling needs. We offer a wide range of services, including live online courses for those looking for assistance teaching their students. 
recorded self-paced courses for those who want teacher instruction while needing the flexibility to move at their own pace, and traditional homeschool courses for maximum flexibility in home education. Our support services include advising for parents, record keeping and transcript services, a grading service, standardized testing, and guidance and college counseling. For more information, check out their website at colby.org. That's K-O-L-B-E dot org. Or give them a call, area code 707-255-6499. That's 707-255-6499. It's Colby Academy. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the pro-life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. So, welcome back. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents. Uh, we're... Uh, Talking today with uh, Brian Miller, he's the Director of Evangelization and Discipleship for the Archdiocese of St. Louis, talking about a really big effort that the Archdiocese is in the midst of, which is the All Things New program. And while a lot of people think, well, it's probably, it's, it's just, it has to do a lot with making these logistical decisions about parishes and, you know, which parishes, you know, need this, which parishes may actually, you know, have to be closed there's really a lot more to it than that, and it's really all about uh, a, a new effort to evangelize. And so, um, I mean, that's that's really the interesting component that I'm I'm hearing today. Well, it's it's yeah, it's really the driver of the whole thing. So, you know, if we needed to get by with just closing a handful of parishes to make our numbers work a little bit better for for vocations and staffing, we could do that a lot easier than than what we're trying to do now. You know. Um, but to really reorient and undergo this kind of missionary conversion as a church. And I think, really, um, you know, we talked a little bit about the Second Vatican Council earlier, but, you know, that really anticipated the changing world in a lot of ways, and it helped us to refocus our our efforts and to reinvest in, in the lay people to help lead some of the different ministries. And obviously, we're not trying to replace the clergy. You know, they have a very uh, important role <laughs> sacramentally, and we don't want to downplay that all. And there's some real spiritual leadership there as well. Um, but but I think what you're seeing now, and I, I just love thinking about the continuity of where we are in the church. So you have like, you know, John Paul II was at the council and did a lot of writing at the council. And his whole papacy in a lot of ways was really dedicated towards uh, an implementation of the Second Vatican Council. It's really why he was elected, because he was doing it really well in his home diocese. And then the continuity, again, of, of Cardinal Ratzinger, Pope Benedict being elected after him to continue to keep doing that keep on with that implementation. He started the Pontifical Council for the New Evangelization, uh, and he called the Synod on the New Evangelization. And Pope Benedict retires before the Synod is actually complete. Uh, So he retires, and Pope Francis is elected. So Pope Francis completes the Synod on the New Evangelization and publishes the Post-Synodal Apostolic Exhortation, 
right? I'll give you uh, a nickel if you can say that five times fast. But <laughs> um, he publishes that document, and we know it as kind of his landmark document, the first thing he published really by himself in his own name. Uh, it's the joy of the gospel. It's the, it's the document that responds to the work that JP2 and Benedict started and Pope Francis is seeing through. And really, what I think what that document highlights really well, and a lot of, if you want to really understand kind of the narrative thread of uh, the Pope Francis papacy, it's about missionary conversion. There's a paragraph in The Joy of the Gospel, paragraph 27, and he says, um, I'll try to quote it, but I don't know if I can remember it all. But he, he talks about it. He says, there's a, I dream of a missionary impulse, a missionary option. This impulse is capable of transforming everything, our customs, structures, mass times, ways of doing things, absolutely everything, so that we're oriented towards the missionary conversion of the world and not towards our own self-preservation. And to me, that is like the roadmap for what we've been doing in All Things New. It's what we're trying to do as a church. But it's really what—it's not just unique to our archdiocese here. It's definitely happening across the country, but really across the whole globe. And they're really saying the age of Christendom is over. This age where we have large Catholic institutions that, that permeate the culture, that dominate the culture, it's gone. And we're living—we're beginning to live in what's increasingly a post-Christian, post-modern society— where there are some vestiges of our Christian values in society, but they're increasingly under attack. And there are some ideas rooted into who we are as the fabric of a culture but about Jesus, but they're not explicit anymore. Whereas our institutions previously were really good at being explicit about teaching the gospel, or enough people in the culture got it that, that we could rely. And, and, but now what we have to do is we, you and I, have to have the name of Jesus on our lips, and we have to have... Uh, the kerygma, that core gospel proclamation, on our lips and ready to tell people about his good news all the time. So really, that whole continuity since the Council onward is about preparing and orienting the Church to understand how rapidly the world is shifting and how we need to be prepared to speak into the world differently. So it's all about missionary conversion, and I think that's really the heart and soul of what we're trying to do with All Things New. It's not just the structure at all. It's actually about how do we become the Church that Christ is calling us to be, to reach every soul in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. And when I do parish work sometimes, we'll, we'll print out their numbers. You know, it's like, okay, we'll say, how many people are in your parish? So how many people are in your parish? Assumption of Fallon. And there you got 4,000 families. Okay. How many, how many people live in the boundaries? I wouldn't know. No idea. But that's your mission field, right? So obviously, the low-hanging fruit might be to try to get all of those 4,000 families to Mass. That would be ideal. We'd probably have to build a bigger church. That would be good. <laughs> add a lot more Mass times or ordain a lot more priests again. <laughs> um, so so some, we, we often want to start with that low-hanging fruit, and we think of, oh, if we, if we could just get the, the school families that don't go to Mass, if we could just get them to Mass or the CYC or whatever, we could get them all at Mass, that would be great, and we would be doing evangelization. And we would be, and that's important. But really... You know, the pastor uh, in canon law is responsible for the soul of every person who lives in his parish boundaries. So as we think about the Archdiocese of St. Louis, you know, in the, what is it, 10 counties of the Archdiocese of St. Louis, it might be 11, um, there are 2.25 million people, and there's about half a million Catholics. And we know about, again, prior to COVID, about 125, 130,000 Catholics went to Mass on a given weekend. So we might think the low-hanging fruit is, okay, let's get the rest of the Catholics, that other 75% of Catholics, let's get them to Mass. But we don't want to stop there. We want Jesus to be known by the 2.25 million people who live in our metro area that covers our archdiocese. And it's a big ask, um, but I think until we start thinking that way, um, 
we're going to be missing an element of what the Lord is calling us to. So how do we orient ourselves not just to, to be there when people come to us as the church, but to be a church that goes out, that has different outreach programs, that has different ideas of, of ways that we can bring people in. You know, I, corporate analogies always fall a little bit short when you talk about <laughs> ministry, but there's a lot of truth there, too. You know, when, when you're a business, you use a sales funnel. And you cast your net really wide at the top of that funnel, and as it gets down closer to a, what they call a, believe it or not, a conversion, <laughs> a sale, right? <laughs> they're, they're honing in more specifically on who their audience is and what they're trying to do. And we, we can really do the same thing. We need to cast our nets incredibly wide to reach and engage the culture. And as we begin meeting these people and work with these people, we're, we might lose some along the way as we proclaim the truth. But as we seek those conversions, we're going to be really targeted in on, on the people who need to hear that message most specifically. And the other thing I'm, I'm hearing that is, is exciting, actually, is this idea that you know, part of, of, of what this new effort is going to be about is trying to you know, encourage people to go out and evangelize, trying to make them comfortable with the idea of evangelizing, trying to make them feel that it's okay to do this on an individual basis. Because as you say, the first step in this process of any conversion is, is trust, and that's why you know, if it, if it comes direct from person to person, it's, you know, much more likely to, to have some kind of effect. But, you know, yeah, it's, it's a difficult thing to, we, to do, to, to be willing to approach people that, and you're not really sure the reception you're going to get when you approach people, and you've got to be obviously careful about it. But just to get comfortable with the idea that, yeah, hey, it's okay, you know, to talk about God, to talk about religion. Um, All the things you're not supposed to talk about. At exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. We just released on the uh, on the All Things New website on the Unifying Vision page uh, a video series called Evangelization 101, and it's a series of six three-minute videos. We're releasing them week by week, so I think we might be on video four. So you have to keep coming back to check out the others. Is that a tease? It's a it's a deep tease. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tune in tomorrow. Um, but these videos help answer some of the basic questions and problems people have. But in the first one, it's we're saying what is evangelization? That's the title of the video. And one of the things we say, and I think this is really important, is it's a fundamental belief that Jesus matters. And Jesus needs to matter in people's lives. And I think sometimes we can have this idea in our culture, like, oh, God's love and mercy is so great. And it is. We can't underestimate God's love and mercy. But we have to seek it. And we have to ask for it. He gave us free will for a reason. And I think sometimes we have this, this idea that we don't, we don't want to take the Lord seriously at his word and what he told us in the scriptures. Uh, about what our part of that equation is as well. So if we don't believe that Jesus matters, we're not going to evangelize. So I think fun, that fundamental conviction is really important to start with. Uh, and then from there, um, we have to have a fundal, fundamental awareness of really two stories. One is God's story. So how has God moved throughout history? So it's this idea of salvation history. And I think the more we're tuned in to salvation history and understanding that, so it's you know a lot of the Old Testament and how Christ was predicted and prophesied and all that, and then what he came to do, obviously, in, in dying for our sins and, and saving us. We have to understand that story. And again, if we're, if we're just, if you do Bible in a Year or Father Mike Schmitz or you do whatever it is where you just are in, in kind of ingrained in that culture of knowing those stories and how God has always worked, it's actually going to make you a lot more attentive to how God is working now, too, because you know his patterns and you know how he is and who he is. And, and the importance that he places on trying to save people. If this is this is his effort throughout all of history. Yeah, it's geared towards that, exactly. And then the second story we need to be really experts in is our own story. 
And it's really, so it's understanding our personal testimony. And again, we sound like Protestants now, right? Oh, my testimony, I'm saved. <laughs> how did God save me? No. But, but we understand how God has moved in my life and what the moments of grace are. Those are the two stories we're going to be telling all the time. This is who God is and what he's done and what he wants to do. And then this is what has God, God has done for me. Even if they want to argue with you apologetically, you know, and, and, and hit on all these different points of the faith, okay, let them do that. But they can't argue with the way that you've experienced God moving in your life. It's, it's, it's a really hard <laughs> argument for them to make. So I think the more we become experts in those two types of stories and just get really good at telling them, and it, just, it takes practice. So it takes a couple people sitting sure, around. Sure. And, and again, being in the habit of talking about how you see God's grace in your life. And if you're not a person of prayer, you're not going to see God's grace in your life every day. But when you are a person of prayer, you see that everything is grace. And without grace, you actually have absolutely nothing. You know, I've, I've been stuck on that verse in Corinthians for like a year and a half now. Um, you know, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And yeah. the, the more we realize <laughs> what his grace is, the more uh, we realize how weak we actually are. But it's the opportunity for God to act in us and through us in ways that we never could imagine. And if we open ourselves up to letting God, you know, work through us, then he puts people in your path. I mean, if you start on this path of being willing, you open yourself up to being willing to evangelize to other people, you know, part of those graces are going to be, he's going to put people in your path. My wife uh, used to have these encounters at work. People would, she would never try to overtly uh, try to proselytize or anything like that, but people knew she had a devout faith, and she just had people come into her office or just talk to her, just approach her, and uh, they'd have questions, and it was amazing. But, you know, people, God put people in her path, and, uh, and that's what will happen with us. If we, you know, let God, you know, work through us, then he'll, he'll help us. He'll take it from there. And I think we need to pray for those opportunities and, and pray for the Lord to put those people in our path. And again, it's the, the prayer that increases our awareness, too. So once you start praying for those opportunities, you might start seeing them more regularly. And it turns yeah. out that it wasn't that they weren't right. there before. Sure. It's that you're, right. you're looking for them and you're asking for them, and the Lord's making them abundantly clear to you. And I think at the end of the day, I, I sleep well uh, because I know that conversion is not my job. You know, invitation is my job. I can propose the faith. But conversion is the work of the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, St. Augustine <laughs> was intellectually convinced that the faith was true for a long time, before he had a conversion. He knew it. He was fighting it. You know, Lord, make me chase, but not yet, right? His famous prayer. Um, and, <laughs> but, but, you know, but intellectually, he was a Catholic, but he hadn't given his heart to the Lord yet. And he finally, you know, he heard the, the voice saying, take and read, and he read the scripture. And in that moment, for whatever reason, he was disposed for conversion. And the Holy Spirit works him in a way that maybe he'd read that thing before, maybe he'd heard other arguments before, but he finally actually gave his life. And we never know when that moment's going to be. But our job is to try to facilitate those encounters and facilitate those opportunities for people to say yes. And it's really important. So what do you find? Uh, really, I take it you enjoy your job. What do you I find? I do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> so what do you find that is, uh, you know, so, I mean, what is the most satisfying? What is, what is it you enjoy? What is it about this job that, that sometimes you get to see that maybe some of us don't and maybe might if we then open ourselves up to trying to do some evangelizing ourselves? Yeah, I just think that seeing people um, just gain that confidence and hearing this, we've done a lot of evangelization trainings and things over the years, and 
hearing people just share stories of like, you know, I, I was never good at this. We went through the training and I just took a risk and I, and I did it and it worked or I did it and it didn't work, but I didn't die. (laughs) It wasn't wasn't that scary. You know, again, like uh, door to door evangelization is, is an interesting thing. Some people love it. It's great. I think it's important. It has a place. I think one of the most important things that door to door evangelization can teach us is that as we go out and we get in these conversations, if people actually answer their door, because now now they've got these ring doorbells and they see you coming and they hide and they don't answer <laughs> the door. But if you get into a conversation with someone, you realize I can do this. It's not that scary. And then when you have someone you actually know and love, you're like, well, I can have the conversation with them too because I had it with this total stranger. So I think again, it disposes us to be in the habit of of doing those things. And we've heard that from folks we've trained to do door-to-door evangelization. We've had that from folks we've trained to give their testimonies that they start taking up on these opportunities to do it uh, just on a day-by-day basis and just to see to see it come alive in their lives. And then the other thing I really love, too, is working with people who've been in the vineyard for a little while. So whether that be you know some of the priests in the archdiocese or other lay leaders or whatever it might be, um, but to see them kind of get re-energized by focusing yeah. on the mission. You know, those... Pray for our priests. They have such hard jobs sometimes, you know. Uh, there's just a lot that people throw at them and put on their plate, and, you know, especially in this last two years where every oh, decision yeah. they oh. made is going to piss off approximately half the congregation, no matter what the decision is. And they've just been in the center of all of it. But to see, uh, to, to do some of the trainings we've done with some of those guys and and see them re-energized. Um, kind of re-energized yeah, just wow. by the mission and the, and the fruit, I think it's a really powerful thing. And, and I, I, there's so many... Great holy men here in the archdiocese, and uh, if we can keep lifting them up in, in prayer, I think it's going to be really helpful as we do this planning process too. Yeah, that is so true. I mean, we rely on the priests. There, you know, they're they're the ones who are going to lead us to where we need to go. Yeah. Uh, this is Saint Joseph Radio presents coming to you live from Saint Louis, Missouri. We're here talking with Brian Miller. He is the director of evangelization and discipleship for the archdiocese of Saint Louis. And you know, if you're listening to him, you can. Uh, you can readily understand how he was a good man to have picked for this job. Anyways, uh, also I want to make a small announcement. Um, this is evangelization of a sort. Sure. There is a Catholic Man of the Year dinner that is coming up. It is coming up on June 26th here in St. Louis. But before that dinner happens, we need other nominees. We need you to tell us about Catholic men in your parish that you know about that do such a great job, that either don't get uh, rewarded, don't get appreciated, they fly under the radar, they're not asking for recognition, but we kind of just want to recognize them anyway. So if uh, if you know of somebody like that, call 636-447-6000 or go to stjosephradio.net, get some details, uh, get the form, nominate somebody, um, you know, and uh, and then attend the dinner. Uh, and you can hear not only about uh, you know your own nominee, but so many other people that are in so much good work here in the archdiocese. It's really uh, every time, every year, I hear so many different stories about so many different people, and it's just I don't know. It's just uh, you talk about Brian. You talk about reenergizing our priests and seeing them getting ex- excited. Every year going to that dinner reenergizes me. Yeah. There's so many other people doing such good things, uh, you know, and it, it makes you want to do the, you know sort of the same. Yeah, we've got this sign in my house. Um it's in the kitchen or where it is now, but it says, what you focus on grows. And, exactly. Um, well, my wife was in human resources and compensation. I'm talking to my wife again. Yeah. But anyways, um, she would say, hey, you get what you pay for. If you focus on something, as you say, and you, you, know, you devote resources to it, you're going to get it. Absolutely. And I think that 
Um, again, this is why I'm going to harp on prayer a lot, but, you know, it's why it's important to have a robust prayer life. And, and when you have these moments of grace, you can lean on those in the hard moments too. So instead of when you're going through a hard moment, you're not focused on the hardship. You're focused on how you've seen God's grace in your life before, and you know he'll provide it again because he does every single time. So just focusing on that, uh, I, I think, you know, and you see and you're plugged into these kind of pockets of life, um, within our church. And, you know, I've had a really blessed career uh, in terms of working for Focus and the stuff I've gotten to do with the Archdiocese. I always tell people, I've just had a, you know, a lot of youth work and things like that. I've, I've had a front row seat to hope, you know, in my whole life as far as ministry. And I know it's not everyone's experience of the church. Some people's experience is showing up the Mass and there's um, a lot of empty seats and, and a lot of gray hair. No offense to those with gray hair. Um, like, like me. But we want to see people who are younger in the church too, right? So, um, that's I know that's a lot of people's experience of the church, so I'm always excited to share what how I see the Lord moving because I you know I'm just fully convicted the Lord is going to do some amazing things here, and and He's moving in the hearts of the people who are doing the planning I know, and and there's a lot of openness and desire from people in parishes who want to see uh, the church on fire. You know I think uh, I think the archdiocese and uh, and your help with this is exactly exactly right. Where you focus on the prayer life, focus on focusing on growing your faith and having that grounded before you're going to do anything else. And I always relate that to adoration. If you if you are having difficulties, if you need strength, if you need you know some support in trying to get through something, you spend an hour with you know you spend an hour with him, him present in the Eucharist. I mean, I can. I can help you. That can that can solidify any kind of prayer life you might have. Well, there are three three kind of major pillars for all things new that we're focusing on. The first one is unceasing prayer, because that's where it all stop or starts. <laughs> you know, the buck stops there, right? So, um, so even as a curia now, we're doing a weekly holy hour um, before the blessed sacrament, holy half hour, um, together, and we're praying for the renewal, and we're we're being formed in that time. We do a, a gospel reading and a short reflection. And we sit before the Lord and we say, okay, Lord, how are you making me new today? And how do you want to make your church new today? We have daily mass in the building. So, I, you know, again, the people who are doing the planning, the people who are on the front lines of this in a lot of ways are, we're not just saying it. We really believe that, that prayer is, is what's going to make this thing tick. The second pillar is unifying vision for evangelization. So it's just that, you know, getting the 0.6% up and, and getting more people aware of our call and our mission that it's actually a duty to evangelize. We have to evangelize. It's part of being evangelized. It means you share the faith. And then the third piece is intentional stewardship. It's, it's how we use not just our parishes, but also all the resources of the archdiocese at the service of the evangelizing vision. So um, I've got this, this, this sort of program that's in, uh, that's in mind, um, and I suppose a lot of people have had you know, some input in sort of formulating that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I've got a committee I work with. Um, it's an evangelization committee full of volunteers and some different staff members around the archdiocese too. So as we're putting together things like this Preparing for Mission guidebook, which again, if you want to go to allthingsnew.archstl.org, click on the Unifying Vision page. Uh, I would encourage anyone who's listening to download that and uh, find a small group to go through it with. Um, it's a great little discussion guide. You can do it over the course of probably 12 weeks, um, just different discussions, and it really helps you just be prepared for that mission. But so, so those folks have helped us put those resources together and weighing in on it and identifying and, and helping us be able to articulate what exactly our vision is and how we want to express it for all the different 
ministries and parishes throughout the archdiocese so we can really be kind of running in the same direction. Yeah, I think I think that's very important I mean, to have a unifying vision. I mean, St. Paul talks about the fact that, hey, we're all connected in one body. You know, each part of the body is, is connected to another. If we all, you know, if one part suffers, all of them suffer. And if one part feels joy, all of them feel joy. I mean, the unity is such an important thing. And so if you're in some kind of group and uh, there are people devoted to evangelization and somebody tells a good story, I mean, that's got to make everybody in that group feel good and feel energized. And John Paul II, in his document on the laity, talks about how our mission flows from our communion. So it's together in prayers, together in the Eucharist. And from that common unity, that's where our mission flows from. So it's not just something we decide to do on our own, but it's because we're grafted into Christ that we're sent. Because Christ, we, we often talk about imitating Christ in his holiness— it's a lot of our focus a lot of times, and that's, I think, again, it's a, a real fruit since the council is there was a universal call to holiness that was acknowledged that maybe hadn't been as explicitly spoken before. But there's also a universal call to mission because Christ came as, as a gift of holiness and a model for that on the earth, but he also came as a mission to the world to redeem it. So if we're going to be Christ-like, we don't, can't just imitate him in just the holiness that we see visibly. We also have to imitate him in his mission to the world, love, peace, service, charity, all those things. And we need unity. We need other people to constantly remind us about these things, the things that are important. We draw strength from other people all the time. And you can't do anything if you're, if you're disunited. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't mean there's not tensions along the way. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> We're going to have some of that maybe. As it turns out, if you watch The Chosen, I love watching the apostles argue in The Chosen. <laughs> uh, it's really great. And then it's imagining what that might have been like on a day-to-day basis. But I love uh, Patrick Lencioni. He's like a leadership author, kind of guru. And he says that conflict without trust is politics, but conflict with trust is pursuit of truth or pursuit of the common good. I think that's really what we're about. We're going to have some, some moments or some tensions where um, maybe we disagree, but if we're really striving to follow the will of the Lord and we're all willing to lay down our own pride in that, I think we're going to really um, we're going to see some, some mountains move here in the Archdiocese. I think you're right. I think you will. So this has been a pleasure today, Brian. I really want yeah. to thank you for coming. It's been, uh, it's been very enlightening to hear about all things new and this, this program for evangelization here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. We hope that uh, you've learned something. We hope that you take a little inspiration from this and uh, participate in some of these upcoming events. Uh, seek to grow the faith. So uh, this has been St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you from St. Louis, Missouri, and we hope that you join us again next week. Listening to St. Joseph Radio presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S A I N T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636 447 6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents.